0: Welcome back everybody. Today I'm here with Sam Terrell. He is an entrepreneur who has founded multiple businesses, one of which altered the trajectory of my life and played a huge part in me being on this podcast today. So that business is Divergent University. It is a curriculum for entrepreneurs effective for all ages that strives to help you turn whatever you dream Whatever dream you have into a reality using real entrepreneurial skills My experience in this school pushed me to have courage to host reconnect events again and move forward with my purpose He's a cool ass guy with a really cool brain <laughs> So can you give me your description of what divergent you is because you know, I gave mine, but I appreciate it First,
1: thank you for having me on. Um, oh, of course excited to be here. Yeah Uh, Divergent U is a leadership academy, Mm -hmm. I would say. If If I were to put it in one category, it's a leadership academy to help people bring their ideas into reality through entrepreneurship. Right, But it's not necessarily a business program or an entrepreneurship program. It's more of a personal development leadership development business development combined into one okay, and the purpose is to help people find something that they're passionate about find something that could be considered their purpose and Mm -hmm. turn that into a successful sustainable business nonprofit or career even um, people we've worked with haven't necessarily started businesses, but they've landed jobs doing things that they love. So it's really helping people find their passion and turn that into their career.
0: Wow. Well, I mean, I think that's really cool because you know, divergent university. It's a university it's in line with Like I mean at least me when I Was in it it was like I was kind of right out of high school Feeling like I don't know How I feel about college I don't know what I really want to do with My life and divergent university It kind of allowed me To be like all right, well Let's try to get some clarity and it was like it wasn't where I'm trying to fit myself into the box of a degree where like, okay, I'm going to, let's say University of Central Florida. I have the choice from, you know, accounting or business management or, you know, I don't know, recreational services. It was like, I went to Divergent U and it was like, okay, let's look at you. You know ironic divergent you exactly, but um, let's look at you because you have your own desires What do you really want? You know, and then it kind of went from the inside outward rather than the outside trying to put me into some box It was like what are you and what do you really want? We can make that happen in the world today Yeah, so I thought it was really refreshing it helped me in a lot of ways
1: Yeah, the way I would describe that is the difference between convergent and divergent thinking so in convergent thinking, you're converging to a set destination. So like two plus two equals four, mm-hmm. simple convergent question. Right. But even something like which box do you check for your career? That's a more uh, complicated question, but it's still a convergent question because right. you're trying to fit into the box versus right. divergent thinking is starting from within and expanding. Okay. So in a question sense, that'd be something like what is your purpose? That's not a convergent question. Right, it, right. that that, that has limitless variables and who you are is a factor of that, the circumstances of your life are a factor of that, the things that you're passionate about. And that's not something that you can answer just by understanding or memorizing a multiple choice test, which is what our entire education system is built on is convergent thinking, convergent thinking tests. So we're not able to think as creatively. Um, It kind of forces us into positions where we're followers and not leaders Mm. in our current education system. So Mm -hmm. the way I think about divergent thinking is seeing yourself as the source and expanding your ideas. So if you develop yourself, you develop your skills, you develop your ideas, you develop what you can contribute to the world, that's gonna attract things to you rather than you having to go out there to find whatever that thing is, you can contribute something that then pulls things back to you, is the way I think about it.
0: Wow, that is really cool. And that's an entire, I that reminds me from when I hear you talk about convergent versus divergent thinking, Is a scarcity versus abundance mindset because I think that our society 100% runs on scarcity mindset and you know If that were to change even in a small way Like that could have massive impact on the way that you know People can live and the quality of life or the way that society is run for the better, you know and that in the form of thinking rather than necessarily like money or all that stuff, mm-hmm. it, it kind of fits together. But like this is a really important aspect of I feel like evolving yeah. as a society, evolving as just like how we think as people. Like it's a really exciting thing to be
1: doing. Yeah, with the scarcity <coughs> versus abundance, one, one other way I think about this from a leadership standpoint is a convergent leadership structure is a pyramid mm-hmm. where you're converging to power at the top. Right. So everyone's competing for that scarce position at the top of the pyramid. And so when you think about leadership in that way and structures in that way, it's it's a convergent structure where power is only at the top and you have to fight to get to power. If you look at it from a divergent thinking perspective, again, power is from within. I see it more of a solar system than a pyramid. So the leader's in the center. So like ReConnect, you're at the center of ReConnect. Right. And things orbit around you. But at the same time, every member of ReConnect is their own center and things orbit around them. And so Mm. rather than trying to climb a pyramid to get to the top, we're trying to develop ourselves to expand our light, to expand our gravity, to expand our power, what we're capable of in the world. And if everybody were doing that, it's a little bit more complicated when it comes to like business structures. But I've built businesses this way and, and helped businesses get built using these type of structures. And it's a completely different way of looking at it where there isn't a scarcity of positions. Everyone can expand and grow on themselves. So employees that I've worked with in my companies, I've helped them start their own businesses. If they get capped out in growth and what they can do, I'm giving them new opportunities and new doors to open because there is an abundance and we can all... Grow and develop and contribute and give something to the world without having to compete for those scarce positions and there's two different mindsets and I think organizations that operate with that more convergent mindset naturally create a competitive atmosphere whereas organizations that operate with a more divergent mindset create a collaborative atmosphere because there's not a cap to anyone's growth.
0: And there's not like that unspoken competition of like I'm not safe unless I conform to this or whatever. That is, you just kind of blew my mind with the whole uh, com- pyramid versus solar system because that immediately makes me think like, well, solar system, that analogy is based in, you know, what I would consider truth, which is mm-hmm. like, you know, that is literally how you're describing that, how energy works, how you as a person works. If you do grow, your, like people orbit around you, things orbit around you and then those things have their orbits mm-hmm. of energy and of attraction and like, you know, you see the trend of the law of attraction blowing up on the internet yeah. and all this stuff. But the thing that clicked with me when you said like pyramid versus solar system is like Solar system is the universe bro. Mm -hmm. Like that is that uh, Analogy is aligned with how the universe of what we know the known Universe and space and planets literally works So like we're going from source or from whatever we are existing in and like taking the wisdom from that and that analogy into What we're doing on this planet as a society what what you are doing, you know, you're you're bringing that into this
1: society I think I think it's naturally here Like if you just look at the world around us bring awareness Not necessarily like there aren't actually pyramid structures like that's just a mental framework someone created It's not actually real like you don't see people stacked in a pyramid like actually right right? It's just like that's written on a piece of paper somewhere or it's in our mind, but it's not actually a pyramid Right. It's you could see it as a pyramid. You could also see it as a solar system. You could take any structure and replace the way you look at it. Yes, there's still a person in position of power over that organization who's the ultimate leader. Right. But the way that you look at that leadership structure can change. Right. I think in the real world, that's actually more accurate to how we operate is everybody has a um, if you want to call it a source of power or a source of influence um, based on. The skills that we develop based on even charisma things like that that are right. a little bit more um, nuanced skills personal development skills Those type of things that you attract people to you and and vice versa other people do the same thing So it's yeah, 100%. I think it's more realistic to how the world actually operates. Uh, I mean, I agree and that
0: kind of I'm curious now Where did this idea come from? How did it flow to you?
1: How did it how did you attract this idea? How did it divergent you begin? That's a great question. So Kind of have to start before diverging you with Hoop Brothers. Okay, so I started my first business, Hoop Brothers, when I was 18 years old. Hoop mm-hmm. Brothers is a basketball company. Um, we produce videos for high school basketball players, and I started Hoop Brothers to help my brother get a scholarship for college. And the entire goal was, I'm going to produce highlight videos to get in front of college coaches for him, so that he can get a scholarship. Um, and early on, I get started getting invited out to more events. Some of his teammates wanted videos, and I realized I could turn it into a business. Uh, which it wasn't originally my intention it was just right. a youtube channel um and the first event that i partnered with because i partnered with a few events to see hey if i come film this event and provide you footage can i sell videos to the players here And they're like sure it looks credible let's do it um and i sold like three thousand dollars worth of videos at the first event i did and i oh, realized hell. oh shit i'm working at a retail sales job right now a month and i can't make this amount of money in a month but I just did that in five hours at an event. Holy hell. And so that made me realize I'm going to start my own business. And within a few months, I was earning more in the business than I was in my job. Quit my job. A couple of years later, dropped out of college. Was pursuing Hoop Brothers full time. Um, we scaled to over 50 cities in the U.S. I hired videographers all over the country. Now, this is over the course of 10 years. Right. So there's a lot of failures in there. There's mm-hmm. been a lot of hiring mistakes and then having to make decisions, losing a ton of money, investing in things that didn't work out. Um, but eventually building the business to the point where I was able to promote within to hire a CEO to run the company. Um, So now I'm fully hands off who brothers runs itself. Um, We do about a quarter million a year in revenue, though that's growing now Mm -hmm. Um, and we're even more profitable now that I've stepped back, um, which is just a Testament to being able to hire great people who are honestly better than me Um, (laughs) at at doing their jobs. So that's, that's the background I'm coming from. Mm -hmm. And, I think once Tiger got a scholarship, my brother got a scholarship for college, the mission of Hoot Brothers was complete in some sense. Right, Like that was the purpose that started the company, you know? Exactly. And so once I got past that, I was kind of at this point of, okay, I have a successful business. The mission's been complete. We're helping thousands of players, which is awesome. But I felt like there was something more I wanted to do. Um, It felt like what's next for me at this point. Um, And it was actually like a prayer, if you want to call it that, where I was kind of, pacing around my living room like yo universe if you're out there tell me what to do with my life like tell me what's my purpose and i'd been thinking about starting a school specifically around divergent thinking for years but i think in that moment i kind of gave myself permission Mm. where i felt like start the school like start that school that you want to start around divergent thinking um
0: can i ask sorry to interrupt but um where where did you where were you introduced to divergent Mm -hmm. thinking
1: I don't know if I can remember, to be honest. It was probably it could have been from a YouTube video, It could have been from a class in school, it could have been from a business coaching session. I worked with a lot of business coaches that helped me grow my company, so I don't I don't remember exactly where I heard it from. Um, but you latched on. But I the gravitated idea. to the concept right away, right? And I realized people. The more I've spent time with the concept of divergent thinking, the more I realize even the experts in divergent thinking don't. I don't think I understand the full power of what that is. Mm-hmm. Where most people think of divergent thinking as you're just throwing ideas out so that you can get to the one idea. It's almost like you're brainstorming concepts, like let's throw a bunch of things at a whiteboard and then eventually we'll get down to the one idea. Which is still convergent at the end. Which is still convergent at right. the end. And I think you can apply it to the leadership structures, like I just said, to see a divergent leadership structure. People don't, that's not a concept that I'd heard before. Mm-hmm. Um, you can apply it to, yourself in some sense like i said where you're like you're developing yourself it's expanding from mm-hmm. you you're not trying to you're not living your life to get to a destination you're living your life to share something you already have right and i think just the way that we think about goals even like we put our identity in the goal and i think that's convergent but there's just so many applications to divergent thinking within leadership within business within sales within building a community that I think it's underrated as a concept, mm-hmm. which is why it's divergent university, right? because it's, it's applying divergent thinking to dozens of different things, mm-hmm. um, ultimately to see how do we take our imagination and, and make it real.
0: Wow. I think that's that's really exciting, because also th- just from the beginning of that, taking your imagination, like as, as a human, our imagination is what sets us apart. Yeah. And if we're kind of like stomping on that or just like, oh, imagination, that's for kids or whatever, it's like, that's, as a society we're giving up one of our most crucial assets as like a race as a as a species and uh, i think it's super cool that divergent you focuses on that trait so i wanted to ask so divergent you just you as a a person i feel like i have never been around you and felt like you are not being authentic Mm. authentically you like you know, whatever's on your mind, whatever you're churning through for you, it's what you want to be thinking about It's what you you're pursuing And you have absolutely zero problem taking uh, taking responsibility for that mm-hmm. and like embodying it And I think it it could come from that moment where you gave yourself Permission to take to to start the school to to go for that purpose that was maybe in the back of your mind You're like no, nah, no, nah, I can't do that, No, nah, no nah. And then you were like, you know what? I can do that. and I'm gonna do it. You know what? So I think for people listening and people that see your story or see mm. you, I think there's a, a lot of inspiration in that. And I think there's a lot of fear in that mm. because, you know, I, I dealt with, I deal with it still with reconnect and all that. But on the other side of that fear for both of us, because I've decided to, you know, give my life energy to mm. reconnect. And the same way you decided to give your life energy and, and really reconnect. A beautiful way to say it. Right. Give your life energy to not just Divergent you but give it to yourself, Mm -hmm. you know, and I've decided to give it to myself and to reconnect or whatever so I just wanted to ask When like because you're on the other side of that fear, right? You decided to jump into the you know, the river of the unknown and just do it for yourself So for someone listening who might feel that fear of there's something in the back of their mind It's a school. Mm -hmm. It's it's a movement. It's like how do how did you address that fear and how could Divergent thinking or divergent thinking as a concept help them with that fear of making I I think
1: everybody's in a different situation. So I think you have to be um, Mindful of that trying so I'm trying to give advice that would apply to everybody right Um, Right. But I think the first thing to do would be one is is write down the ideas So actually like get it out on paper. What Mm -hmm. is it that you actually want to do? And maybe there is a large list. Maybe right. there is a, a lot of things that are in your mind or ideas that you have. So start with just writing it down. The act of writing it down makes it more real already. Mm-hmm. So you're taking a step towards it becoming reality just by writing it down. Because right. you're claiming it's something that you want. So that alone has a psychological impact. Mm-hmm. Um, second, I would write down what is the resistance Like, what is stopping this from happening? Right. Um, I think, unfortunately, a lot of the situations people are in is is people around them. Mm -hmm. Um, Could be family members. Mm -hmm. Could be parents. Could be friends. Could be teachers. Could be... So there's a lot of circumstances around people that are saying no to their ideas. Mm -hmm. And I think the best thing people can do is put themselves in an environment where people are saying yes to their ideas. Mm -hmm. Because that foundational shift gets you to take that action especially if other people around you are taking that action so part of diverging you is not just the curriculum it's not the information we're teaching it's the environment we're creating Mm. which i think is something that you do a lot really well obviously with Reconnect, and and why the in-person experience is so important Mm -hmm. because it creates a like there's an environment created beyond just information Mm -hmm. and when you're in an environment of people where everyone's idea is yes 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 let's go Then you start to see progress from other people not just not just what you're doing you see oh that person had this idea and i thought that was a little weird or crazy but they actually made progress and are are making progress on that that's amazing um it gives you more confidence in your ideas when you're in an environment where Mm. other people are pursuing ideas too
0: and you've seen it work
1: for them consistently
0: right well that's really cool i think that's a a great kind of like starting point because like you said writing it down Literally puts it into more reality because right. it is now on paper in the physical world. Mm-hmm. I think like that that those words, that idea, whatever, and like you know, as humans, we have the power to think something and then turn it into reality. Mm-hmm. You know, and um, I think also, you know, writing down the resistance, it just the act of. I, I want to do that now when <laughs> I get home. Like I want to write down what I want, what, what the resistance is. And I think that it's really important to listen to the judgment that'll come up as well because I think we build a lot of subconscious thoughts and resistance just like from those friends parents institutions society that kind of program us into being like no, that's stupid Don't think that or no, that's stupid. You can't do that. And so like try to I don't know, channel that kid that, like, wouldn't care or something like that. Well, here's
1: a, here's a statistic that'll help, I think, frame it for people to understand mm-hmm. why it's difficult. Um, two things, actually. One is uh, divergent thinking statistic. There was a, a case study done by Breakpoint and Beyond. They tested over 200,000 students from kindergarten through the graduation of high school. Well, the kindergartners tested at a – 98% of the kindergartners tested at a genius level in divergent thinking which means their imagination runs free. They come up with so many ideas. By the time they graduated high school, only 2% of those students tested at the same level. So you went from 98% of students who were geniuses in divergent thinking, had an incredible imagination, to only 2% by the time they graduate. And I think that that's a symptom of the system. Our education system was built using the Prussian military model, which is to get people to obey to get people to right. follow. You have a teacher at the front, everybody's gotta sit still and listen. And you're and rewarded. yeah. Uh, it's a convergent test, teaching right. you that if you get the answer wrong, you're a failure. Right? So now you're internalizing that. So now, anything that you diverge from the curriculum is shut down, Whoa. and so you go through 12 years of that from the first 12 years of schooling, and your mind is being programmed in a way to inherently shut down your ideas, because there's a system that's been built to make you a follower, not a leader. Whoa. So that's something that everybody's fighting against is that programming for twelve years right. of being a convergent thinker. Um, secondly, on a biological level, there's they did a study with zebras and lions where they were basically the the scientists were studying the zebras and they were trying to study a specific zebra. And so they painted a red dot on the zebra so that they could watch it because they had a hard time it would it would mask with the herd, right? Mm-hmm. As soon as they put the red dot on the zebra, the lions went and got the zebra because it stood out. It was easy to hunt because they could see it. And so on a biological level, humans are prey animals, which means we don't want to stand out because Mm. it attracts predators. If I stand out with my idea and say something different, it puts me in the position to be attacked. I can be shut down. If I just stay with the herd, I'm safe. If I say something outside of that, I'm in danger. And so because you kind of are you kind of are you kind of are. right so both on a biological level and how we're programmed and wired and On a societal level and how we've gone through our education system It's working against us, right? So just on a foundational level I think that knowing that can give people a little bit more confidence to say this is why But I can still operate against that,
0: right? Wow. Yeah, I mean I definitely have felt that and I'm sure you did too chasing your dream as well like feeling that red dot Mm -hmm. like feeling like oh man like everyone's looking at me and they're thinking that i'm you know i'm gonna get eaten you know and it's kind of like and sometimes
1: you do like sometimes 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 when you're out in the public and you're doing something different you allow your you open yourself up to criticism and sometimes criticism is valid yeah i've made plenty of mistakes in my business journey too and you have to be able to stomach that like you have to be able to take responsibility when you make a mistake too right so that's a challenging piece of it, too. Definitely.
0: I'm just I'm thinking specifically to like I feel like I Went away from the herd. I was like guys. Why are we all using our phones? This is dumb, but it's like, you know It, it doesn't matter what my idea is because everybody else is just like gonna say that it's different and then it's like whatever it's just it what's well, different what anyways so like Doing that did kind of put a target on my back in a certain way where it's like some people were like Oh, that's cool But they're not going to be as outwardly supportive of it because then the targets on your back or whatever so I had this one I was just scared all the time in high school talking about reconnecting stuff because like high school not only is it like I feel like it's just this time where you're like afraid of what everybody thinks and also people are like ruthless with like Mm -hmm. how They'll like make fun of you and stuff. So I um I feel like I was just scared and then one time like after I started the reconnect Instagram like talking promoting these ideas these like new or not even new just like different ideas someone made like a like a page and they they named it like unconnect movement and then they (laughs) followed all my followers on the reconnect movement page And then they posted like one thing that was like listen to our new podcast about how phones are great and how they allow us to like listen to music and stay safe and all this stuff and you know that was like I guess it was the you know worst case scenario what's gonna happen someone's gonna try to like bully me on the internet right. and like it happened and it was like at the time it was like it was hard but like you know looking back it's just kind of like it, it shows that it shows that I guess what happens when you do stand out even if it is for a good cause yeah. and it's gonna help people it doesn't matter just because you have that red dot on you you are you know in right there for
1: danger and going back to like how can people get out of that imagine if you're in a community where everybody has that red dot because everybody's saying what they wanna do and everybody's claiming it. And then, you, <laughs> it's a, then to fit into the herd, you basically have to be pursuing something right. on some level. Like it, it encourages you to, to act on your ideas. So right. Divergent You, everybody stands out and everybody's different. And it's always interesting with the classes, like yeah. your class and other classes I've led, there's so many different people in yeah. all the classes. And I always wonder, how is everybody gonna connect? Mm-hmm. Like, is this going to be a group that connects? Because it's a pretty intimate space. It's like eight to 10 people. Yeah. And you're in that, in that space for three months right. or, or longer, depending on the programs that we're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, it's fascinating to see how, when everybody comes in with the mindset of collaboration, I'm going to support everybody else's ideas, everybody gets along and eventually everybody's ideas are working together, right. like even just naturally, because right. this person has a connection that can help this person. Right. But you wouldn't know that if you never said what your idea was. Whoa. There's probably like the five to ten people. If you post one thing on your Instagram, your social media, your Facebook, your right. wherever it is, TikTok, even, and you say, "This is what I'm doing. I need help." You might get some backlash, but it's very likely you're going to get at least one person to say, "Here's how I can help you." Right. I'm looking for a location for a podcast somebody could say, here's how we can do that. Right. I'm looking for a location for an event. Here's how we could like someone will probably be able to open a door for you. So in your when you're in a space where that's the culture of asking for help and saying, this is what I want to do. How can you guys support me in this? Right. Everybody in the room is there to support. It's not just me. It's right. not just like I don't see it as I'm the leader and everybody's following. I see it as I'm a leader, inspiring leadership for everybody else to lead. And right. if Everybody in the room is a leader. Everybody in the room is contributing to everybody else in the room. So just by creating that environment Everyone wins
0: right instead of like worrying about like, oh, am I gonna get knocked down? Uh, a Peg on the ladder of the pyramid if I say this thing or this certain thing it's more like like everybody It's a safe space. Everybody's there to just lift everybody up and it's not there's no because there's no top of the pyramid and there's it's no all infinite. standardized tests
1: right like we're setting goals every week as opposed to testing every week it's like what do we right. accomplish this week and did we did we or do we not and if we do excellent let's celebrate that and if we don't why didn't we what right. can we do better and it's not judging it and saying oh you suck you didn't accomplish your goal right it's saying well your goal didn't happen was it because the goal was too difficult or was it because something else got in the way or was it because you don't actually care Right. And if you don't actually care, maybe you should be doing something else. Right. If it's because it was too difficult, let's bring it back a little bit. If it's because something else got in the way, how can we address that and work around it? So it's not coming at it with any judgment. We're setting goals and And by doing that week over week over week, if you just set goals, just that act alone, setting a goal every week and checking in on it, Mm -hmm. you make progress inherently.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's how I started doing the reconnect events again was I set this goal and the goals were like, you know, different, different. And then I set one goal and like all three of my goals were like things that I needed to accomplish in order to prepare to have my first event. And then I had my meeting with you and we went over my goals for that week. And you were like, why don't you just have the event? And I was like, no way, no way, no way, no way. That's impossible. And he was like, why? And I was like, <laughs> I guess I can have an event. And I was like, but I was so terrified because of that experience I had in high school of like the red dot and like kind of getting shot down and people hating on it and stuff. It's just like so scary to do it again but with the support of this is crazy this this is literally fitting right in the conversation with the support of divergent you with the support of you being a red daughter with the support of everybody else in my class doing the same thing as me i did have the courage of setting that goal to start it again which is what sparked all of this journey that i not all you know it it really was the beginning of this next chapter of reconnect and um I haven't stopped since Well, actually I did I moved away, but I still kept going while I was moved away And even though it changed the way it looked it's still that was the beginning of this This next trajectory and why I'm sitting here in this chair, like I said in the introduction So, um, that is a really cool aspect of divergent you so on the topic of divergent you um, what So you wrote a spoken word Mm -hmm. You wrote a spoken word. Do you want to do you want to pull that up really quick?
1: Um, I don't know if I have it Memorize I could pull it up on YouTube
0: Well oh oh, yeah That's what
1: I meant okay, yeah, sure. yeah yeah so
0: pull that up Really quickly um, and then I have another question surrounding Divergent You and Reconnect
1: so Yeah this is an old uh, I wrote this while I was still in College actually mm-hmm. um, and this Was about technology And the uh, Negative consequences of it Right So I got it here You want me to play it like
0: so um yeah just just keep it like I mean this is like you said a poem about social media and how you felt about it in college and stuff like that and the kind of like the negative influence of it so let's play it
1: cool producer on it and everything yeah as a
2: generation we through our veins, adopting screens as a means to communicate with our brains, limiting face-to-face interaction. The attraction to this technology seems fatal, because like a bad relationship going unstable, we seem unable to step back and breathe. To see the world through our eyes, not our screens, feel connection in more than just video streams, memes simulating literal laughs out loud, vines overstimulating our attention span, so six seconds into this you probably stopped listening social media is an illusion that we hide behind to try to find self-worth just illusions like pollution not a blessing but a curse creates seclusion no solution to the problems on this earth but to see me speak in person puts more truth behind these words why is it that when we want real world connection we disconnect from the real world Because I'm trying to picture my future, but I can't find it on Instagram. I'm trying to follow my heart, but it doesn't have a Twitter. I'm trying to love myself, but Facebook only has a like button, so where do I turn? Tinder. But we're swiping left on our dreams and right on our insecurities. So I sit on my phone, literally sending messages to a machine, something someone else will read, but they'll see it on a screen, and because 90% of communication is in body language and tone, you only get 10% of the actual conversation through a phone. I want to surround myself with people, not a virtual reality of devices. Because I have two laptops, a television, and a phone on which I write this, but I still fight this feeling of loneliness every single day. It's like the more I feel connected to this worldwide spider web, the more I feel consumed. And the more I log on to share, the less I actually do. Because the more we scroll through our timelines, the less we actually live in them. And the more we text about moments, the more we actually limit them i had a girl text me the other day she asked me if i ever felt like killing myself said that she never felt more alone but if you looked at her facebook instagram or twitter you never would have known wondering why no one gets our depression when the only impression we leave are words that leave them guessing our intentions on our screen our phone has become an extension of our body Our scapegoat to get out of any conversation. Just look down at your screen and enjoy the sedation. The perfect equation to add to social starvation while subtracting from real communication. There's a reason they call it a cell phone. Because we're trapped in it. It's running our life to the point where it tells us when to wake up. We can't go five minutes without checking it. When it's hungry, we feed it. When we're lonely, we need it. Seal it in a case and keep it safe. Password protected so only your face can see it. We live in a world where we cater to our phones, but do they really connect us or just leave us alone?
1: Damn. And what year was that made? This, this was, uh, let me see. Seven years ago.
0: That was seven years ago. Yeah. That was like way before TikTok, way before the present reality. Yeah, I,
1: mentioned, I mentioned Vine in there. Yeah. I mentioned, uh. Which Facebook, Vine Facebook Facebook had a, only had a like button at the time, so like little things like that can, right. can date it a little bit. But
0: well, also, I mean, Vine was the TikTok before yeah. TikTok, you know. But what I mean to say is, like, that was your you were in college seven years ago, mm-hmm. experiencing all of those things, and now, like, we've only gone farther worse, down that yeah. path. We've it's only gotten worse. And you highlighted so many things in that video that are just like. My mind was kind of getting blown. I was trying to look for it last night to listen to it so (laughs) I could ask questions about it but like I Just listened to it all again for the first time since I first heard it and since I've been doing all this stuff with reconnection stuff and it's like Some of the things you touched on specifically just like, you know, the more we enter into this web of Connection the more I feel like I'm just becoming a slave to it the more that I'm like losing myself in it But like really we're, we're supposed to be connecting and I mean honestly there was so much in that but I wanted. Do you have any thoughts? Do you want to share on that before you it's move? on? It's
1: interesting hearing it back. Like <laughs> a couple of thoughts first, just from a poetic standpoint. I feel like I haven't. Uh, I haven't fully gotten back to that level. Really? <laughs> where like that was like I, I was competing at the time in poetry competitions. So, like oh, Hearing okay. that, I'm like, damn, like, <laughs> that was great. <laughs> yeah, you're like I was telling so, like, it. Yeah, like I feel like I don't even remember some of the lines in that. So like right. that one hit hard. Right. So I think just like hearing it back is interesting in that way. But um, not a more on a more serious note. I think it's. It hits the it hits the point really hard on reconnect and just in general like mm-hmm. what what the world has become because yeah. we're so taken by our phones right and this idea that like we have to we, we have to feed it you know we have to take care of it we have to like we're, we're giving more connection to our phone than anything else the average screen time is what like nine hours a day yeah it's it, it's not how we were designed like that's not how we should we should interact Mm-mm. um is through through a phone people should have more face-to-face interaction which is why I've always been such a huge supporter of reconnect. Like I've been right. on that wave for seven years now. So like right. when to see you do that and when I saw your Pachakacha talk the first time yeah. like, before we met, like that was uh, super inspiring to me. And I was like, I've got to be a part of this right? Now. because I think that this is what you're doing is incredible and it's needed in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think it's just, it's obvious. It's obvious that right. we need that connection.
0: Yeah. I think that it's wild to see like face to face Kind of be going extinct. And it's really dangerous for that to be happening. And I think that one of the things you said is really important. And one of the points that I made one time in a conversation, and I was like, holy shit, like that's really eye opening, is when we are using our phone for nine hours a day, sometimes. We are texting people. Sometimes we're FaceTiming people. Sometimes we're calling people. Sometimes we're on Instagram looking at people we know. Sometimes we're on Facebook, you know, interacting in groups of people we know. But the entire time we kind of can make it seem like, oh yeah, I'm texting Kevin. Like I'm, I'm talking to Kevin. But like really the entire time you're on your phone, you're, you're not actually interacting with anyone or anything except your mm-hmm. phone. Or An app on your phone like actually in front of you You're actually interacting with your phone the entire time So even if you're facetiming someone you you might be like talking to them like but you're interacting directly with your phone Mm -hmm. You're not interacting directly with the person the person and so like then that prompts the next question, which is like What is the effect of that mediator? What is the effect of you not directly communicating with the person? What is the effect of you directly communicating with the mediator of your smartphone? And we've seen a lot of things of that, which is, like you said, in the video, 90% of communication is through tone and body language. And now we're giving up literally all of that and pretending it's connection over a phone. And it's like, so that's one way that that, that kind of is like a bottleneck for connection. And then on top of that, then you have the aspect of like, you're not actually even just Speaking to someone you're now also on an addictive app that is trying to suck you into yeah. yeah Purposely suck you into using it for whatever reason whether it's connection or not They just want you to spend more time on it taking advantage of your brain your dopamine all that stuff And then through now that's another bottleneck and then you're still trying to connect with someone it's like And then there's all the new social norms that are basically fighting connection, which is like if you respond to a snapchat too early You're thirsty or if you're like if you text a certain emoji, it's like weird or something It's just kind of like there's all these limitations to connection through using your phone directly to connect with someone else and so it's like and we've been doing that for so long seven years ago mm-hmm. This was so prominent for you to make all the points that are 100% relative. Rel, uh, you know relevant now well, It's
1: interesting if you go back even 30 years and like all of human history up to about 30 years ago The way that human beings interacted you could get immediate feedback from what you said right. So like if you and I were talking we had to talk face-to-face or mm-hmm. maybe like a written letter, right? right? but generally speaking every interaction that you had was face-to-face mm-hmm. so when i say something i can immediately see your facial expressions i can immediately see how you receive that right. and now you send a message on your phone or you post something online you don't see anyone's immediate reaction and so Whoa. you're giving this like connection and immediately you're in getting, some sense you're you're not shut down but you are in the sense that there is absolutely zero immediate feedback you're getting nothing even back. if you wait 30 seconds for a text to come back that 30 second gap is hard to equate for. Whoa. And that's not something that was ever a part of humanity for the history of our species. Holy and so now shit. we have 30 years of this that like, that's more normal, but it's not how we're programmed. Like right. when you, when I say something, I want to be able to see what you, how you respond to that right. just generally speaking. And now there's a barrier between that, right. which is my phone and your phone, right? Cause it's, I'm going through my screen, you're going through your screen and I feel like, you you start to have relationships with the name on the screen more than the person
0: or their or their their bitmoji or their right. th- you know their profile or their instagram like you interact with their life more through their instagram than you do with their actual who they are what you when you see them in the moment well that i mean that was Pretty incredible that 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 poet that that poetry that you wrote and that yeah, for video anybody who video. wants
1: to, to watch that It's Samuel silence is the it's under Samuel silence is my poetry mm-hmm. uh, Name stage name.
0: Yeah, and I'll link it in the description Sweet. as well 100% Um, but so I mean that was incredible and that was you, you know, I did I didn't write that I'm like reconnect guy, but I didn't write that that was you and you're diverging you guys so I wanted to ask how are Reconnect and divergent you aligned. Mm. How are they aligned? How are they similar?
1: I think first just just you and I are very aligned in like what we see the future can look like and what we see the world needs. So I think foundationally just from a leadership standpoint that makes sense. Mm -hmm. But for divergent you I've now done a lot of classes both in person and then COVID happened and we had to move online. Right. And at first I was so resistant to it. Like the only reason I moved online is because every single member of my team convinced me to. Mm-hmm. I was so against it because I feel like the, the in-person connection is so important. And there's a difference in a classroom. And We do small groups, so it's like eight to ten people. Right. There's a difference if I'm writing something on a whiteboard, asking a question, and everyone's interacting in that room around that question. Mm-hmm. On Zoom, you have to like call on people one at a time. And, mm-hmm. and people might go to the chat. It's so like one thing I learned early when using Zoom was everybody has to have their video on mm-hmm. and we're not using the chat at all. Right. So that way everybody's engaged. And I'm going to share my screen as minimally as possible mm-hmm. so that we're still somewhat face-to-face. Um, and I think we actually mastered Zoom pretty well to create an engaging space online. Beyond, I had a great experience. Yeah, beyond what I thought could be done, to be honest. Right. Um, though it still doesn't hold a candle to the in-person. Right. Because there's space in between space. Like when the class ends... We can now talk to each other after the class. Mm. We can talk about that. Those little things, I think, matter. And so for me, I've always seen Divergent University as a physical place. Uh, I want the campus we open. We're going to open a one year campus. Haven't talked too much about that yet, but. um, Where this is like happening? This is happening, um, Yo. so we're opening a one-year campus. It's going to be very small to start out, so it's probably like one classroom in like another common area. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're going to start with a small beta test um, for our first year, and that's going to start this fall. Um, and the the idea one day I want people to walk into Divergent University when we as we scale. And you walk in and you like feel it like the architecture is incredible mm-hmm. and like the student achievements you can see on the walls. Mm-hmm. So when you walk into the space, the space has an energy about it. And so I think that's where I'm so invested in the in-person spaces and how important that is. So I think that creates an immediate synergy. And I know we've talked about the possibility of having reconnected zones mm-hmm. at that Virgin University. Right. Uh, because I think that that's so important. And I think just the idea of like check your technology at the door, it creates a totally different environment. than a place where everybody has their phone out. So I think just in that, there's a lot of a lot of synergy for sure.
0: Yeah, I think that that's it's kind of it's not impossible, but both of our well, for reconnect it's impossible to achieve that environment without uh, with phones present, or I guess, or without being in person. But with Divergent U, it was like it is catered to the Im- the energy of the room that you're in. And like you said, Zoom doesn't hold a candle to what is possible in the physical space. Mm-hmm. So like almost like I guess the potential for what humans can create together is like are, in our two movements is heightened yeah. massively Definitely. by being in the same room and by being face-to-face and by actually, you know, connecting. So that actually kind of segues into another question I have, which is, well let me find it really quick so what are your feelings about social media's impact or phone's impact mm-hmm. on true connection?
1: I think that it it it's a constant battle so I think some people haven't even acknowledged the battles there and so they're just sedated in mm-hmm. the phone right um, I think a lot of us have acknowledged that it's not necessarily healthy for me to be on my phone as often as I am. I should probably get off of it more. Right. Um, So I think just generally speaking, I have hope. I think that there are people like you. I think there are people that are um, opening up to this idea a lot Mm -hmm. more. And realizing the negative consequences, right? Um, I think even like some of the things they do with the iPhone, for example, where they like allow you to limit your screen time mm-hmm. on certain things, like right. so they're they're giving you ways to to limit that. Um, though plenty of the apps are doing the opposite, and they want you to stay on the platform as right. as much as possible. Um, but I think it it, it takes away from uh, the, just the human connection, um, and I think it gets people like stuck inside so much. I think a, a part of reconnect and just the idea of getting off of your phone to me is outside it's like being out in nature i think Mm -hmm. sunlight just in general is something that you lose from a phone right natural light when you're in a like we're not supposed to be in a box in a house with a screen in our face
0: for hours and hours and hours every day for months at a time
1: so i i feel like it's it's very harmful um especially to people who are um Innocent to it, I would say like if mm-hmm. it was just given to them like at a young age right. and you're given a phone and then you're sedated into that phone and you never learn how to socialize and you like It's so harmful. You don't know what's
0: happening. Right. Either. Yeah, right. Well, okay second follow-up Do you want to try to define true connection? Mm. Because we, we're talking about the impact that Social media or phones being present has on true connection. Yeah, but like what is true connection? Is it reconnect? Is it vulnerability? Is it
1: like where does that come from? I think vulnerability is th- a big aspect. Yeah, I think the authenticity was the word that was gonna come to my mind. Yeah I think when you're able to share I think truth truth is really important like your truth like your perspective and being able to share what you feel honestly and authentically and what you want Mm -hmm. Um, I think that's hard for a lot of people even like the idea of writing down the ideas right right or um, In a in a more romantic sense I think in a relationship both people claiming what they want and being authentic about that can be challenging Right, Um, and a lot of times in the culture of today. It's it's a lot it's it's more gamified almost in some sense where Mm -hmm. Neither person's saying exactly what they want and it's it's like this I think to some level there's like a Script? There can be some fun in that. Right. But I also think that you lose some of that actual connection because mm. neither person is let's say courageous enough to say what they actually want. Right. And so that yeah. makes it challenging whereas if you can if you can just state what you want up front, that makes things a lot more authentic. And right. so I think authenticity, I know that that's just one category of connection, but I think generally speaking, just being able to share your true feelings, being able to share your true perspectives, your true right. desires, the things that are hurting you, the things that are making you excited. Um, I think being able to share those things authentically is true connection and having that received and being able to both listen to that and share that. Um, and I do think that in person is a, is a big part of that. And I'm, I'm sure there's a lot more layers to connection, but that's just what comes to my mind.
0: Yeah, that first. makes a lot of sense. I think that... What came to my mind when uh, we started talking about vulnerability was like how I've noticed The level of vulnerability it takes students here at Rollins to come to a reconnect event Mm. And I've noticed that there's almost this like layer or this this um, Cut or maybe it's a bottleneck. Maybe it's a cutoff or whatever but like of students who are and see reconnect. They know it, and they they like the idea of it, and they see the flyers around. Like we have ninety members in the group me, and the mo the the mo- biggest turnout we've had to a reconnect event is like I think twenty seven people, mm. 26, 27 people. So that's actually,
1: that's actually a pretty good percentage. Really, just from like uh, audience to converting to an event, just from a business standpoint. Okay, that's a great percentage. Hey,
0: all right, well there you go. <laughs> but I I feel like what I've noticed when new members come or You know, I meet people and they're like, oh, that'd be great. I'd love to come to that. And, you know, part of that is just like everybody has a schedule and not everybody can make it. But I have noticed, too, like when people come to the event, it's kind of like there's nothing like this on campus. This is like there's nothing like this even socially available. And it's like I don't know any of these people necessarily because it's a new like you said, it's a new orbit. It's a new solar system. Mm -hmm. So it's like this new planet and it's you don't it's not necessarily not connected you're not you're sure how to interact there's right. like a level of yeah or there's like newness, not yeah. yeah newness for sure and there's not it's not like I personally am I know everybody who comes to the event right. or they know like someone who know comes no, to the event yeah. Even just in general
1: the idea of going to an event where you don't know anyone is already right
0: it's lot. like it's this fear and it, it does take vulnerability to kind of like put yourself out there and be like hey guys like this is me and I'm here to hang out with you guys like are they going to accept me am I going to mm-hmm. be and I have nowhere to hide In my phone Mm -hmm. I have no scapegoat I Mm have nowhere to run So it's kind of like this This Like it's scary To show up At first But I think it's really beautiful Because Even the people who I can I can literally tell Like they're kind of walking around They're like Is this it You know They're kind of like scared To like Am I really They barely got themselves there You know And then To be welcomed in By this like group of people Who are just like Hanging out Being authentic Being Being cool Just like hanging out But connecting And it's like to 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 have them like be so maybe necessarily afraid like what's going on it's so unknown it's so unknown and then To find out what it actually is, which is just like we're cool and you're cool and like let's hang out and everything's okay right, you know, it's like I think that Because we have gotten that rid of that immediate response mm-hmm. from what we're saying and what we're putting out in the world We're so used to asking like is this okay? Is this am I okay what I'm saying is this like all that anxiety around like is this going to be received or whatever? Like it's kind of like rather than just biting the bullet and doing it, you know, it kind of like, Shocks people back into like, oh, wait, okay What I'm not actually gonna die just because I'm going to hang out with these people. I right. don't know, you know Like I feel like this generation's stomach for going somewhere unknown to hang out with people They might not know mm-hmm. is a lot less, you know Capable or comfortable yeah. than right. like my parents generation or even your generation of like going and hanging out with people You might not know very well,
1: especially if they're in like an environment where it's you're Engaging and yeah, you're actually connecting yep like and there's not like a a sport or something like that like mm-hmm. if you go to the basketball court you know you're gonna play basketball that's a little right bit, there, there's like a, a level of that like but with reconnect it's like you're coming to connect yep and that like claiming i want to connect with other people alone is a vulnerable thing to to claim and yeah so i think um just just getting people out to the events is incredible that it's showing that people actually want it you know the fact, mm-hmm. the fact that people are um there and and you know to me i think it's exciting yeah i
0: th- I think so too i think I think in this generation it's gotten to the point where you know it's not just pain anymore of like or or it's not even just confusion. it has gotten to the point where it is literally like we feel it everywhere we go I feel like or or it's just so interwoven that like people feel it and they don't even know that they feel it and then once they see the, the a reconnect poster or they hear about reconnect, they don't know why but they're like that's it. Like that's, or, or like that speaks to this, whatever pain mm-hmm. or whatever underlying thing I feel around, like I, that's something like I need that or right. whatever, whatever, however their response is. But like, I, f-
1: I feel that people s- similar with divergent you. There's like yeah. a level of that where I'm not exactly sure why, but like that feels like a place I want to be. Yeah. Um, like I'm attracted to that solar system. Yeah, I'm
0: attracted to that. I don't know why, but yeah. I am. Yeah. 100%. Well, okay. So true connection, vulnerability authenticity um, let's say no escaping <laughs> you can't escape you're like here to connect and that's okay and it's not necessarily it's celebrated yeah right you can be afraid but like you know courage and and also getting to the point eventually where it's not a scary thing to just talk to people but right, right now that is kind of where we're at so true connection may be in an environment where you're not scared to speak you're not you're not afraid to like oh can I talk to this person it's like almost like I guess you're accepted mm-hmm.
1: maybe like you feel like it's a safe space That's interesting I was I've had this interesting thought recently on introvert versus extrovert
2: because
1: mm-hmm. um, I don't think that it's so black and white I think a lot of people are like I'm an introvert I'm an extrovert right if you're an extrovert I'm an introvert it's definitely more of a spectrum like Mm -hmm. you're an introvert in some spaces and you need that recharge but you're also able to be an extrovert in some spaces right and when talking to a lot of introverts about this what I saw as a common theme is that it's not so much that people are um, introverted it's that they are um, uncomfortable being their authentic self in a certain space and because they can't bring that authenticity into the space they feel called to be introverted and so if they were able to be more authentic and vulnerable in the space, they're more comfortable and can consider themselves a little more extroverted in those type of environments. Like if right. you're with a group of friends who you trust and who are all um, know who you are and your authentic self, mm-hmm. you're not, uh, you don't have the same social anxiety. Right. And so I think it's, it's finding a way to um, be your authentic self, even in environments that you don't know people. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that's what reconnect Mm. almost bridges the gap for. It gives people that opportunity to authentically connect. So even somebody who's an introvert can, or considers himself an introvert, um, can enter that type of space Mm -hmm. and feel welcomed and be accepted. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. 100%. I, I mean, the way that I was taught introvert and extrovert was like, an introvert is someone who recharges by being alone and an extrovert is someone who recharges by being with people. So it's kind of just like an introvert can totally exert an extroverted tendency, but like they just are going to need that recharge from right. going and being alone and like same thing where an extrovert can, you know, be alone, but they're going to eventually need that recharge of like being with people. So, I mean, yeah, it's 100% everything's the spectrum. Everything is a spectrum. For and sure. that's all, that's kind of a divergent way to look at things too, yeah. no? Yeah? yeah. Like there's I think not even black like, or white.
1: Yeah, even like skills, for example. Like I think a lot of people think I'm either a good communicator or I'm not a good communicator. It's like right. communication is a spectrum. It's a continuum. Like you can continually improve at that skill. There's not like you're a good communicator, check the box. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like you continually improve at anything. So, yeah.
0: Agreed. Agreed. Well, uh, a, a personal question to yeah. you where just just because you're y- Divergent you and your story with who brothers is kind of related to You went for your dreams and it worked like you were here and you're only growing more and more every time you you double down and so in your journey, I want to ask you like ten years ago or Maybe seven years ago, but like ten years ago. Where did you want to be? Where did you mm. think you would be? Um, and and I think that could just be interesting for people right. to hear of how that journey actually went of someone who made it.
1: It's so interesting when you say, like, I've made it, and it's it, it doesn't feel as clean as that. Right. It's like I got to, like, as soon as you said that, my initial thought was like,
2: mm,
1: but there's been that failure and that failure and that failure. So mm-hmm. I'll, I'll detail out what I mean by that. But. Um, I think 10 years ago, I remember talking to someone and saying, when Hoop Brothers, if Hoop Brothers ever were to make $100,000 in a year, I'm good. Like, I made it. And that's like the pinnacle. Mm-hmm. Um, and then three months later, I signed a deal that was a $100,000 deal. And so right. we hired videographers all over the country. And like, I remember being outside my apartment, I was living in college, I was a, at a college dorm. And I was outside, like, on the phone, closing the deal. And as soon as I got the phone, I was like, let's go! Like, this yeah. car's driving by, like, who's this guy? Why is he so <laughs> excited? <Yeah. laughs> but I was like, I made it! It was like that moment of, yeah. of feeling like um, like crossing that finish line in some sense. But after that, like, more goals open up. It's kind of like what I said. When when Tiger got the scholarship for college, I started to think about, well, what's next? Um, and there were plenty of failures with Hoop Brothers. Like, there were times where... Um, We almost went out of business two separate times. Um, Once when I invested about $50,000 that we made into a platform for recruiting players. So more than just doing videos, we wanted players to have a profile. We wanted coaches to have a profile. Mm -hmm. So we developed a website. And when you get into like hardcore coding and like making things very specific, it gets really expensive Mm -hmm. because there's a lot of details that you don't think about. And so it ended up costing us like $50,000 to build this website mm-hmm. and it didn't work right. um, because I kept adding more to it and not getting something that was foundationally functional mm-hmm. and we just ran out of money. And so basically we were on the verge of bankruptcy. I had to let go several team members because didn't manage money well. Mm-hmm. Um, ha- and at that point um, I actually brought jess adams who's now the ceo of who brothers um i brought her on as a business partner at that point to help save the company so i gave her equity in the company to to stay on basically sweat equity for a a certain period of time Mm -hmm. for her to continue to be a part of it because we didn't have any money Mm -hmm. um so that was like a failure point where it felt like i'm definitely not a success at this point my business has failed and then again covid um, COVID, this is, we didn't talk about this at all, but I gave a TEDx talk back in 2019. I wrote the boor- workbook for Divergent U. Hoop Brothers is balling. We've got Divergent U running. Mm-hmm. Students are successful. And then everything's in person. COVID comes. We lose everything. So for six months, we shut down our entire operation. Because everything's in person. What are you going to do? And I'm feeling like a complete fraud, right? My company is now on the verge of bankruptcy. I'm on the phone with an attorney talking about how do I, when should I declare bankruptcy basically? And how does that even work? And they were basically like, you can wait a year before you actually declare bankruptcy. I was like, okay, how do we get up out of this? Mm -hmm. Luckily, um, we still had to let go. essentially our entire team, um, which sucks. You know, these are people that I promise relationships and contracts that we have through a certain amount of time that I'm like, we got you. And I have to sit down with people. I love one-on-one and say, we have to let you go. And they get it. Like the pandemic collapses our business. Basketball events aren't happening. There's no work to be done. Right. Like we have no money. So they get it. But at the same time, I have to take responsibility for that. And it's like, this is my company and I have to let go every single one of my team members. And remember Jess and I are sitting in the office as this is all happening. And she's like, it feels like we're going out of business. I was like, I couldn't say anything else. Like there was no, there was no way out at that point. Um, luckily a few months into it we got a government loan that's genuinely saved us um can't even take credit for that right like that's like luck and and support from others and blessings and like mm-hmm. and then i was in such a terrible headspace that it was just really hard to get myself out of it I think right depression um being in solitude like if you want to really go there like i was living alone so for six months three months of those six months I hardly had human contact and like having that level of being alone does something psychologically that's just not good for you. So it's been difficult for me to get back out and have in person conversations with people over wow. the last like year and a half. And now it's feels like it's finally in the past. Mm-hmm. But yeah, when you, when you mention like the making it, it's funny. I immediately go back to like my stomach feels the failures mm. where I'm like, uh, yeah. Have I? Yeah. Have I? Am I sure? <laughs> Because like what if it gets taken away again, right? So I think there's a level of, of fear of that, too
0: Right. Well, I think that for as for my question like, you know Where did you think you'd be in ten years, you know, and mm-hmm. I, I but really the way I framed it was what t- turned out to be More important is like, you know, you made it and so it's kind of what what I feel like I got from your answer is People people don't want to struggle People Don't want to put the red dot on themselves. Mm. People don't want to Risk it all people don't want to d- those are scary things that, that creates yeah. fear and I think that in order to take the path of choosing yourself choosing to expand yourself choosing to it's just very Frightening I guess and also the answer I feel like I heard from you is like You won't almost mm. you won't Make it or whatever. No, there's it's made up.
1: Th- it's definitely made up. Yeah there's Like there's layers of like made it like when I gave the TED talk, I thought I made it right I was like, I'm, I got invited to give a TEDx talk like right. I'm on that level now. Mm-hmm. Nothing changed Right. I gave a TED talk came home Life went on Yeah. <laughs> Legitimately like nothing yeah. actually happened now I can use that for my credibility and like that sure. is something that that boosts what I'm able to open doors to mm-hmm. Sure but I felt like I would get a feeling out of that, like it was like, oh, I'm gonna get here, and then I'm gonna, I'm gonna have made it, and like, no, it was, it was the same the next day, um, which you know, I, I appreciate the talk and the opportunity and like all mm-hmm. of that, but that was like one of those I made it moments that didn't actually, and so I think going back to what I originally said about the, the hundred, idea of converging to a goal versus right. expanding from within, right? I think finding that fulfillment inside rather than when I make it, I'll be happy, right? Because even when you make it there's always a next make it right and it's not the making it itself that makes you feel fulfilled it's the pursuit it's Mm. like the i'm doing the thing it's the it's the the verb not the noun like the destination is like a set thing the verb is like the action when you're in the act of doing something at a reconnect event that's when you feel fulfilled right it's not like I had this many people at a Reconnect event check that number and now I'm happy, right? Right, right. it's like the fact it's that the happening that. is what makes it fulfilling,
0: right? It's not it's not convergent. You don't make it to the top and you're like now I'm satisfied You right. know, it, it is a constant thing that is really cool that you say that because it makes total sense I mean if I were to transport myself into a room with my you know, the high school me Trying to do reconnect and like being all scared to have events and stuff and like feeling like no one's listening and then like if I were to like you know me now talk to that person he'd be like oh my gosh look at all you have look at all the things you've done like you have look at this this is you made it you know but like right now I'm like oh like you know I'm still thinking the same way I was in high school you know so it's kind of and I'm just looking at the next horizon so you're right that it is about. The moment you're in, it's not about some ten years down the line goal, and that's honestly. I think it's
1: good. Okay.
0: okay, so last thing, but that's honestly what I remember kind of being in when I was looking at going into Divergent mm-hmm. U, because it was the moment where I took a semester off of school, and in the that midst of taking a semester off of college, I did Divergent U, and it was kind of the. It was exactly that. It was the. Um, it was the difference between going to college and like getting a degree in accounting and taking that 20 years down the line. And now I'm, I can see my future as a president of some company as the president accountant. And, you know, like I'm taking that path for 20 years from now. And it was that versus like, what's going on in my moment right now? What can I do in my moment for like, you know, what, what's going on? What do I want now? Rather than like trying to do what I like, Trying to live twenty year old me or twenty years from now me or ten years from now me now, I mean of course there's a balance between that. Yeah. You can't just ignore both. But like, t- it's just different. Divergent you is more in or divergent thinking or just in general, like that concept of focusing on now rather than like I've made it once I'm the president of some accounting company. Like that's right. not even re- That's not even true. It's not right. real. So like, but divergent you helps d- balance that.
1: Yeah, I think it's it's putting the identity in the present versus the future. Right. Like, I'm not the person when I get there. I'm the person now. So right. And I think yeah. another thing I wanted to say on on risk in general, because um, a lot of people are afraid of risk mm-hmm. at some level. Uh, I think, one, when you're pursuing something you're passionate about, don't make it a big thing. Like, just start small. Mm-hmm. Just start with starting an Instagram page or starting a TikTok. Like, that's like a first right. step, right? I've
0: made like, it once I start my Instagram. <laughs> <laughs>
1: but, it, but it gives you baby steps. Like, mm-hmm. when it's like, I want to start the Reconnect movement. That's a massive thing. How mm-hmm. would I even begin that? I don't know, right? And I think a lot of people feel that way about the uh, the things they're doing. How would I start a school, right? Like, that's such a giant thing. Who fucking knows? Yeah. I've had to figure it out. Yeah. But that's like step by step, right? Like, I started by hosting a few workshops on divergent thinking and then developing a small curriculum and then expanding that curriculum. So like you start with baby steps. So don't, you don't need to take a massive risk is the point I'm making there in order for you to start, you can start really small. And then like when I quit my job, Hoop brothers was making more than my job was. Right. So it wasn't a risk at that point. The risk would have been staying at the job. Right. It wasn't ever, it wasn't ever a a risk to start Hoop brothers because what's the risk of starting a YouTube channel to post my brother's highlight videos. Right. It's not really a risk. And then his friends are like, I'll pay you. All right, I'll do that too. Then an event, there's not a risk of, I suppose you, there's the risk of failing. Right. Um, but that's just but in your failing head. Failing is, is, temporary. Right. Like I've failed. Hoop Brothers is still here. So like, right. even when you fail, you can get back up. And the longer term perspective on risk is, and this is, you know, not everybody wants to be an entrepreneur. Not everybody can start a business given mm-hmm. different circumstances. But for anybody that wants that or for anybody who thinks they might want that or can achieve that in the ways that um, can build something, the risk involved with not doing it is much greater than the risk involved with doing it. Because if you can create a successful company like I've done with Hoop Brothers, you now own an asset that makes passive income, technically I could retire Mm -hmm. because my business makes enough. That it covers my expenses. Right. So if I didn't have any further goals or aspirations, I could stop right now. And having that safety net and having that asset that's now growing passively, like mm-hmm. who Brothers, will get more and more profitable without requiring any more of my time. Having that after the ten years, yeah, it took ten years to build. Right. But with mentors and with the internet now, and like, there's so much more resources than there was when I started. Mm-hmm you can build that faster. Mm-hmm. And so if you build something like that, you have a freedom of your time, you have a freedom of location, you have a freedom right. that is so fulfilling. And so like the risk of of not ever pursuing that, I feel like the, Whoa. Th- yeah. you, you, then you're just gonna go what, 60 years and retire? right? Like th- that's the other option. right? So I feel like it is risky to start a business, but to me, It's riskier not to. I know that that's maybe not might not feel applicable to everybody, right? But I think if you can, or if you have that idea to start a business, start small and go for it, and just see where it goes. Because when I started, Hoop Brothers wasn't envisioned to be this big company. I didn't have this giant goal to change the world. Right. I just wanted to help my brother get a scholarship for college. Right. And in doing that, and in pursuing something that was serving someone else, it brought me new opportunities that then allowed me to build a company that, step by step by step. Like, again, it wasn't like we just jumped to where we are now. It was, we made $2,000 in the first year. That was hundreds of hours of work. I'm sure I was paid half of minimum wage for the time I put in. Right. that.
2: But over time, it was exponential rather than... the next
1: year, we made $20,000. Still, I was probably paid less than minimum wage. Right. But closing those deals and making bigger and bigger um, opportunities eventually we got to the place where now Hoop Brothers is, like I said, doing about a quarter million a year and growing and it's off my plate and it's running by itself. Right. And so having those um, baby steps, like you can't, I think the expression is you can't eat an elephant all at once, right? Yeah. You have to start small. So those would be my thoughts on risk.
2: Wow.
0: That is, your story is, is really inspiring and I think that because i have overcome the fear a little bit in myself and in my own journey with with reconnecting my purpose and my passion like i think that i feel less of the fear that i might feel if i was like projecting you know myself onto you what you've done and i feel much more of the inspiration mm. of like hell yeah like this is this is something that can be done and it's what i want to do so, oh, yeah. And and also I just I love that you're you're just this treasure trove of of examples and and realness and Authenticity of of doing that and what it's like like yeah No, I didn't I didn't do it in in you know two years like I mean two thousand dollars I mean twenty thousand right. dollars and like ten years went by right. and I thought that I was gonna die twice <laughs> Yeah, and, exactly. and here we are now and I have you know this asset and it's still here somehow, you know so many failures, but like that life is that, you know, like, I don't know something crazy. Like if a turtle lays like 50 eggs, like two turtles survive, you know, I, I don't know. It's like, I feel like it's a nature thing, right, right. you know, like nothing's perfect. Nothing is just like, Oh, well we did this. And now everything worked out. And now it's like exactly what I would in a human way would have imagined. Like that's convergent yeah. convergence doesn't Convergent like reality doesn't really exist you know like it's really Not all one, like, divergent
1: universal right like right. everybody has their their view and I, also the closed mindedness is a convergent thing mm-hmm. like it's a convergent thinking idea to defend your point of view so if you're in a debate with somebody yeah. and you're defending yeah. a point it means you think there's a point and that's a convergent idea mm-hmm. and you're defending that point of view rather than opening yourself to somebody else so like yeah. the divergent thinking approach to a debate is to ask open-ended questions. I'm not trying to defend a point of view. Right. I don't. I try my best. You know, like obviously nobody's perfect, but right. I try my best to detach from a point of view and mm-hmm. just ask the best questions. Right. Because that's how I'm going to learn. I'm not going to learn by defending my point of view. And so I think the convergent thinker is somebody who is constantly defending their perspective in a debate, whereas the mm-hmm. divergent thinker in any kind of debate is curiously asking questions to understand more. And that's really
0: the goal. I mean, that's that's how you actually have a productive debate. yeah. And like you said, no one's perfect. Sometimes you get emotions in, involved of in course. your in your yeah. point or whatever. but wow, well, I mean, honestly, <laughs> I feel like we kind of chopped it up. yeah, we kind of sure. ripped it ripped it apart. <laughs> um, well, I mean, I really enjoyed like diving deep with you today a little bit. Um, I think that we could talk forever. For sure, and um, (laughs) I think that we talked about some really cool stuff, and I honestly didn't realize some of the ways that we are so similar, and Mm -hmm. the ways that like our journeys. uh, Well, everybody's on the hero's journey, but like I feel like our journeys are definitely similar in certain ways, and um, I drew a lot of inspiration from that today. And uh, I also like realized how much I love divergent you again a little bit from through talking (laughs) to you again. And, um, yeah, I've really, really enjoyed diving deep into the way that you think about things and the, mm. the, the outlook you have on the world, the outlook you have on reconnect and it's, it's importance or what it's doing. And just in general, I think that you have a really cool and creative perspective on life and in the world.
1: Yeah. Thank you for having me. This has been a yeah. great, uh, great conversation. I'm happy to do it anytime.
0: Hell yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Yeah. Awesome. Adios, Sweet. amigo. Adios. <laughs>